speeds up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's the lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Hey friends, this is Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries and we've got an awesome program for you. I know you're going to enjoy it today and you're going to want to get more copies of this. So give us a call, 618-383-2107 or log on to lonesomeroad.org or you can email me at gary.lonesomeroad at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now sit back, listen, and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you. I keep those wheels turning from town to town. There's so much I gotta see. I gotta look around. I got diesel smoke rolling. From two chrome stacks, my address is 408-414, a big blue Mac. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. Friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministry, and we want to thank you for joining us on our program right here on Lonesome Road Radio. We are going to feature today on our program Jim and Ann Davenport and their brand new CD that they just came out with, Red Letters. And this was recorded down at Appletown Studios in New Burnside, Illinois, by Bill Shell. And I know Many of you are familiar with Bill Shell. What a great man of God he is and what a great studio he has. So we're going to feature some of Bill's work and Jim and Ann Davenport's music. And the name of this CD is called Red Letters. So let's put on the song Red Letters. And this was written by Jim and Ann Davenport. And this is a great song I know you're going to enjoy. of the Bible so awesome and clear spoken by the master for those who want to hear instructions for all of us to live without fear red letters of the Bible I hold them so It's written in red If you need direction It's written in red You can search through the Bible For words Jesus said You will find all the answers Are written in red Tomorrow 
mistress and him today Just read the red letters He'll show you the way For there's a way to reach heaven And there's a way to be fed Red letters of the Bible I hold them so dear If you need salvation Written in red When you need direction It's written in red So search through the Bible for words Jesus said and you will find All the answers They're written in red Search through the Bible Friends, that is Jim and Ann Davenport, and that is called Red Letters. That is the title of this great CD that I have in my hand right here. And I know you're wondering how you can get a copy of this CD. Well, give Jim and Ann Davenport a call at 281-636-5100, and you can order this CD. Here's another song that I know you're going to enjoy, and this is one written by Ann Davenport, and it's called... Can I get a witness? He's my rock and my sword, my shield. He's a wheel in the middle of the wheel. Can I get a witness? Tell me, can I get a witness? He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? He's the rock of all ages, the king of kings is he. He's the holy lamb of glory. Jim and Ann Davenport are now 
in Eureka Springs, Arkansas at the Great Passion Play, and they are the pastors of the Church of the Grove right there on the Passion Play grounds. And they're there almost every day, and they just want to minister to whosoever comes through there. And Ann also sings at the Passion Play, so if you get a chance, go to Eureka Springs and visit the Passion Play and visit the Church of the Grove where Jim and Ann Davenport is. And if you'd like to order this CD, Ann's phone number is 281-636-5100. And she asked the question, can I get a witness? And anytime you ask that question around our speaker today, Gary Elam, you're going to get a witness because he loves to talk about Jesus. He's been a great help to Jim and Ann Davenport down there at Eureka Springs. He's also uh, helps out at the Passion Play. Wherever he is needed, he is there to not only give a witness for Jesus Christ, to, but to be a helping hand to whosoever needs help. So here's the story of Gary Elam, and yes, he is a witness for Jesus Christ. Okay, this is my story. I'm a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'll start from the beginning. I was born in 1954 in Covington, Tennessee, a small town, farming community, raised in the Methodist church. And I guess early in my life, I realized not then, but now that God had his hand on me because when I was two and a half years old, I was out in the backyard playing, my mom in the house, and I decided I wanted some candy. So I just took off, walked all the way uptown about a half mile, about six or eight blocks, across city streets. Got to the drugstore and went in. I stand in front of the candy counter. The lady asked me what I wanted, and I told her some candy. And she said, where's your mom? I said, at home. She said, you by yourself? I said, yes. She said, well, can you show me where you live if I put you in my car? And I said, yes. So she put me in the car, and I showed her all the turns. Got to my house said, this is it. So went in. My dad was out looking for me. My mom, well, she was just all beside herself said, you better sit there and enjoy that candy. Because I don't know what your dad's going to do when he come home, but I don't remember getting a whipping, but uh, that's the first time he had his hand on me. And I guess about 10 years old, me and some of my buddies, we got a hold of some shotgun shells. Uh, we cut the cardboard off. All we had was the primers. We were real brilliant. We were striking the primers with a nail and a hammer. Lucky me, mine, a piece of shrapnel come off and hit me about a half inch above my eye, and I had to have 14 stitches. Got, uh, what do they call it when you get to be a member of the church, 10 years old in the Methodist church. In 1967, my dad got a promotion to move to Memphis. So we moved to Memphis and went to the Methodist church there in Frazier through high school. I only had one high school sweetheart. She broke my heart senior year. She decided to get rid of me and get somebody else. And that was a big heartache. Graduated. And I was dating another girl. And her father had uh, triple bypass surgery. They was with the Methodist Baptist Church. And uh, seeing what the Lord done from him, I got saved when I was 19 years old in the Baptist Church. And then... Uh, me and her broke up, and I was driving dump trucks around Memphis and not really getting nowhere because I wasn't old enough to get a road job at 21. So I went in the Navy and spent three years in the Navy, and uh, I don't recall relying on God much except one incident. We were out off the Atlantic coast in a Class 4 hurricane on a 190-foot tugboat, 70-foot waves. I did a good a bit of praying then, but we came through it okay. And in 1978, I got out of the Navy and uh, had a job two hours later driving trucks over the road. And if anybody's ever known a trucker, over-road truckers don't have a social life to amount to anything. And I wouldn't like the other guys. I wouldn't have a girlfriend in every town or whatever. I was pretty much a loner and uh, didn't date much. Uh, and then because of that, 
I was lonely. I was at a party one night. I was 25 years old. And there was drugs present. Somebody offered me some drugs, cocaine. And I just thought, well, I'll feel different. I'm tired of the way I'm feeling. So I started doing intravenous drugs, sticking a needle in my arm. And the first time I got hooked. And if anybody's ever dealt with drugs, you know that you keep trying to chase that initial high and you never find it. This went on for 12 or 14 months. And I started praying to God to send somebody to get me out of it because I didn't think I could go to my parents. If I went to rehab, that would ruin my driving career. And I was living in a little old, uh, 10 by 30 foot trailer and a convenience store out front. The girl out there, we got to talking some and she invited me over her house and I told her what was going on and she took me in knowing what I was doing and said she's going to help me get off of it. So I stayed there all week. I was working five days a week then. Next Friday night, I got paid. I didn't come home. I went and found some drugs. I was broke by Saturday morning. And she got all upset. She said, don't do it again. Well, the next weekend, the same thing happened. Come home. She said, you do it again. I'm going to tell your mama. And that did it. I quit. I would go to work, come home, stay in the bed. It uh, took me three or four months to quit jonesing and getting over it and everything. Also, she was an alcoholic. I was trying to sleep one night and she kept turning the radio up. I turned it down and this went on for about an hour and I finally got up. Turned on the radio, turned it off, and told her, I said, you've got to make a decision. It's me or the alcohol. I cannot live this way. And I told her I'd go and sleep in the truck at work in a sleeper. So the next morning, about 9 o'clock, she called and said she was checking into the rehab at St. Francis Hospital in Memphis. She went through the whole program, got cleaned up, got off the bottle. And we actually got married at the rec center at the hospital. She stayed clean other than twice a year. She had two sons. One died of sudden death in the crib. Mm -hmm. His birthday and his death day, she'd tie one on. But other than that, she was clean. And we had a great marriage. She had a four-year-old son when we got married. When he's eight years old, I was coming in off the road. She was visiting some friends. And I got home and sat down on the couch. Wasn't three minutes. Police knocked on the door. Told me there had been a wreck to go to the hospital. So I got in a pickup, drove around the corner, and there was her car. She had that head-on collision. I got to the hospital, and they put me in a room. Doctor come in and said there's nothing they could do that she was killed almost instantly. My stepson, he just got two stitches on his knee. He didn't get, that's all he got hurt. Nothing mattered then. Material things didn't matter. I ended up, I don't know, three months, her best friend, and I'm still grieving. She come on to me and being sweet and everything and I'm trying to get back what I lost. She had a four-year-old son. Got married way too soon. And four, five weeks after we got married, I come in off the road and she's sitting there with another man doing cocaine. That was it. I loaded up my stuff in a pickup and I went to my dad's and had that, that marriage lasted seven weeks. I was at my dad's house. First weekend, I sit there. Second weekend, I said, I'm not going to be lonely. I've, I've always been dependent to have a partner, someone that I can provide for. And I went to the racetrack, and there was two ladies sitting in front of me, and we got to talking. And 
and all, and then one of them, we started dating. So, well, we went to a bar and had a beer and got to know each other. And then the next day, she gave I knew where she lived. She gave me her phone number, but I called and her dad wouldn't. He said, she don't live here because she got out of an abusive relationship. And he didn't want nobody to know. So I drove over and I had work clothes on. I was going to get some stuff. Asked her, I pulled up and she's in there painting with her sister-in-law. And she come out with paint clothes on looking a mess. And I asked her, she wanted to go to the hardware store and get some stuff. So she, and she ended up getting staph infection. And she went through a bunch of more chemo. Six months. And then she had a uh, disectomy in her back a year later, got a got staph infection. And this time it turned into gangrene in her leg. So she ended up losing her leg in 2008. Oh, uh, we got a prosthetic. She never learned to use it good. She got bitter over losing her leg. And then October the 9th, of 2010 Friday no it was Saturday I got home Friday night I was never home on Fridays but I did get home Friday night we went out had supper had a good time went to bed 7.30 in the morning she woke up coughing couldn't get her breath told me to call 911 by the time I got them on the line and told them what was going on where it was she just looked up at me from the bed and fell over my lap from a massive heart attack and died. I tried CPR, but it didn't work. So once again, I'm alone. But I turned to God. I got, that was in November the 9th, October the 9th, 2010, Christmas Eve. Of that year, I was coming back from Birmingham, pulling two empty trailers with the semi. I kept running off the road, couldn't stay awake, stop, sleep, 20, 30 minutes, go 15, run off the road again. Got home, parked the truck, got my pickup, went to my local clinic, and they put me in the hospital in Holly Springs. And uh, I couldn't get my car doors to work, windows to work, my phone to work. And I was just delirious. Everybody said I called them, but they couldn't make out what was going on. My niece finally figured out where I was, and she come and told me that she's taking me to Methodist Hospital in Memphis. I said, well, I'm in the hospital. She said, yeah, they're going to let you die here. Probably would have been a case because a simple blood would have shown what was going on. But I barely remember getting in the hospital. I was in a coma for four days, in there 16 days. I got out and started medication to help clean my system through my bowels instead of, uh, you know, my liver wasn't working. It was stage three. Over the next three years, I was in and out of the hospital so many times, some for falling. I, I, I don't remember why I was went to the hospital, went to the VA, went to Methodist, and then uh, I was at home. Memorial Day of 2013, I was in, sitting in a recliner watching the race. And I said, Lord, I don't want to end it this way. I see some stuff before I check out. I had a Harley trike. I loaded it up. I left Memphis and went up through Missouri on out into Yellowstone to Washington State, California, Yosemite, back through the Grand Canyon, back home, two-month trip, 4,000 miles. Week after I got home, I went in a nursing home. That was the end of August. And over that time, I kept deteriorating, deteriorating to where I finally had a stage four liver, which is end stage. I can't tell you a lot about what went on in the nursing home, but it wasn't pleasant. Finally, January the 23rd, 2014, middle of the night, I told the Lord, I said, I'm done. I said, give me a liver or take me home. I can't go no more. And I went to bed. And I slept better than I've slept in a long time. That morning, I felt the sun hit my face through the window when it come up. The phone rang. 
This lady from the hospital said that they'd found a liver for me. And I said it was high risk. And I said, okay, what does that mean? They said, well, we don't know about the guy's lifestyle. Said he was between 19 and 51. He'd been in prison. And his girlfriend ran a house of ill repute for 15 years. So we don't know about his lifestyle. She said, do you want it? If it's good, we're going to CDC. We'll check it out before we decide to do it. And I said, do I want it? I said, I said a prayer and God answered it. I'm believing he's going to take care of me. So I went to the hospital and that evening, about seven o'clock, my family was there. They took me to the OR. I heard the surgery was two and a half hours. They put me in the ICU. And for five and a half days in the ICU, I didn't come to. Uh, God showed me what hell looked like during that five and a half days. It wasn't fire and brimstone like the Bible says. But it was more like a severe survival situation. They took us out in army trucks every morning, dressed in camouflage, and let us out. Said the first one back gets a liver. And snake, heat, screaming, hollering, nothing to eat, no food. It seemed like it went on for months. And I finally said, God, I don't belong, I don't belong here. Get me out of this place. And a hand grabbed my hand got real bright, and I woke up in my bed in the ICU, and there was nobody else in the room but me. And I come to my senses, and I'd, I'd been, they said I was fighting them, all kinds of stuff, but I don't recall any of that. But I finally convinced them that I was okay, and they untied me. And two hours after I woke up, they put me up on the floor, I just felt the Holy Ghost. I started singing songs that I knew when I was a kid. The nurse come down and said, we can hear you down at the nurse's station at the other end of the hall. And I said, close the door. She said, no, nope, we love it. So I was singing, and two days later, I got up and started walking. Doctor come through with the students, and he said, Mr. Elam here, he likes to sing, sing us a song. So I, I'd entertain them singing the gospel song. And uh, six days after I got on the floor, I got ready to go home, which was a total 11 days in the hospital. The doctor said, don't be a stranger. I said, I'm not. I'm coming back to volunteer. So about six weeks later, after I got my strength, I come back to volunteer and I went down, filled out the paperwork. Lady called me a couple days later and says, well, we can't use you because you had an arrest record 35 years ago for possession of marijuana. And I said, oh, really? Well, the first time I went to the hospital to go to the transplant clinic, I got lost. This man, he showed me where it was. He had on a hospital badge. My name skips me right now. But he told me, if there's anything you ever need, give me a call. I said, okay. So I pulled out his card and I called him up, told him, and he said, is that all? And I said, yeah. He said, meet me in the lobby. So I went over it and all. And he said, I'm not the top dog here, but let me see what I can do. He was about four under the top man. He said, this might take a month or two. And I said, okay. Got in the truck, started home. I got three miles in the hospital. He called, said, come back, sign in. You're good. It's, that's God's right there. So I come back, started volunteering, and I was going up two or three days a week as a mentor in a transplant unit, talking to patients, pre-op, post-op. God used me so much up at that hospital, comforting people, facing surgery like that, life and threatening to, to talk to somebody that's been through it. It just, I could walk in a room, cut the atmosphere with a knife, but when I left, they were laughing and cutting up. One of the first things I asked them when I walk in, are you saved? And if they say, yeah, and I said, well, what are you worried about? They're going to fix sure you're going to see Jesus. I was up there one day. I'd been there five hours, fixed to go home. The uh, social worker stopped me in the hall. She said, go over here on this other floor to Sean and talk to him. He's needing a liver, but he's not going to get one because he won't quit drinking. So I walked over and walked in the room. I said, how you doing, Sean? Introduced myself and. Right off, I said, you've been saved? He said, I ain't never thought about it. And he's only 36 years old. I said, well, it's about time you started thinking about it. I said, I don't know if you're going to get a liver or not. 
but I know you're going to die one day and you don't want to go to hell. And we talked a little bit more and I said, do you want to get saved? And he said, well, maybe tomorrow. I said, you don't have tomorrow. And we talked a little more about there about an hour Sunday. And the Lord told me to go see him again, take her with me. And we walked back in there to his room. I said, how you doing, Sean? He said, I'm doing fine, brother. I've been talking to Jesus. His wife, his girlfriend, his sister were there. And it, it was a party atmosphere. They were having a good time. That's Sunday. I went back Tuesday morning to see him. And he died an hour before I got there. I'm back up just a little bit. Now, I got my liver January 14. I went back to work driving a truck 3,500 miles a week uh, the 1st of June. And then back that April, I had a migraine. And I went and got a, they did a CT. I had a bleed on, not in my brain, but in my cranium, shoving my brain over seven millimeters. And she said, uh, doctor said, we're going to fly you uptown to the drill holes in your head. And I said, all right, I'm getting to fly. She said, this is serious. I said, yes, ma'am, I know it's serious, but the helicopter, she said, yeah, it's on the way. She don't realize how serious this is. I said, doc, I, said, I don't think the Lord gave me a liver to take me home now. And anyway, y'all going to fix me or I'm going to see him. Let's go. So I went and they drilled two holes in my head. And I woke up two hours later, went home two days later, no other problems. I started riding my motorcycle. I heard about a biker church, Freedom Biker Church up in North Mississippi, and I went to find it, got lost on Sunday morning, pulled up to a four-way stop. There was Harley coming from the left, and I turned right, and I got a need for speed, so I was moving on, and he caught me at the next stop sign. He said, what's your hurry, brother? I said, well, I'm trying to find Freedom Biker Church. I want to know what it's all about. He said, follow me. So we pulled up in the park lot. We were the only two there. He got off, come shook my hand. He said, brother, I'm Bear, the pastor, and it's all about Jesus Christ. So I started going to Freedom Biker Church, having a good time. Went on vacation that September of 15. Went over to North Carolina to meet a lady I met on Facebook. And she turned out to be a wildcat that wouldn't work till the water got hot. So come back home. I told the pastor I need a woman. So we prayed. And a week later, Mutual friend of ours uh, introduced us, and I called her and asked her if she wanted to go to the car show for a date, a safe place. I had a 26 Model T, and, and uh, we dressed up like gangsters and went and had a good time. Very good Christian woman, the most Christian woman I know that's in my life. It just, it was right because God was in it. At my attending Freedom Biker Church, and realizing everything that the Lord has done for me, I decided to rededicate my life to him on November the 29th of 2015 and was baptized on that date. And six weeks after we met, I asked her to marry me. And we got married three months later. Still married today. Just having a good Christian life. She corrects me and I correct her and the Lord corrects both of us and it just works out great. I retired last June. Now we are up here volunteering at Christ of the Ozarks. Just uh, doing whatever the Lord needs us to do up here and trying to bless people and add to the kingdom. And that's my story. And thank you for listening and God bless each and every one of you. And I just pray that you learn from my mistakes and don't make the same ones. Drugs are not your friends. People who offer you drugs are not your friends. So. Well, I guess you probably cried a million tears. And there's just no one else. But me that I can blame And every morning When I look into the mirror Oh Lord I'm so ashamed I spent my life out all alone Seems like all I've been 
can waste our lives on a wish But you know It takes two To make a house a home Oh, I never planned on failing you And I know That you never planned on failing God her own selfish self keeps trying to control there's been more than just a time or two when I thought that we were surely through we can waste our lives on a wish but you know it takes two to make a house It's too late to try to change the things we said and did We were too blind to see And all the hurt that comes from feelings that are Take our heads out of the sand We can make this life Like the wish we had planned But it takes two To make a house a home I spent my life out on the run Seems like all I've been But you know It takes two To make a house a home Oh, it takes two To make a house a home Well, friends, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Are you saved? I'm not asking you if you're a good person or if you go to church. I'm asking, are you saved? If you died right now, would you go to heaven? If you was at the gates of heaven and St. Peter asked you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? What would the answer be? Do you know the answer? The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and death is the separation from God, and separation from God is an eternity in hell. That's bad news. But I've got some good news for you. The good news of the Bible is that God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between Jews or Greeks, rich or poor. The same Lord over all. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you saved? If you're not sure, if you're not living for Jesus, pray this prayer with me right now. O God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe His shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection was just for me. I now receive Him as my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me for my sins. 
I receive this gift of salvation and everlasting life because of your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If Jesus came to your house, I wonder what you'd do. If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, if he came unexpected and just dropped in on you, Oh, I know you'd give your nicest room to such an honored guest And all the food you'd serve him would be the very best And you would keep reassuring him that you're glad to have him there That serving him in your own home is joy beyond compare But when you saw him coming, would you meet him at the door With arms outstretched in welcome to your heavenly visitor or would you have to change your clothes before you let him in or hide some magazines and put the Bible where they'd been would you turn off the radio and hope he hadn't heard and wish you hadn't uttered that last loud hasty word would you hide your worldly music and put some hymn books out or could you just let Jesus walk right in? Or would you rush about? And I wonder if the Savior spent a day or two with you. Would you go right on doing the things you always do? Would you go right on saying the things you always say? Would life for you continue as it does from day to day? Would your family conversations keep up its normal pace? And would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you sing the songs you always sing and read the books you read? And let him know the things on which your mind and spirit feed? Would you take Jesus with you everywhere you plan to go? Or maybe you would change your plans for just a day or so would you be glad to have him to meet your very closest friend or hope they'd stay away until his visit ends would you be glad to have him stay forever on and on or would you sigh with great relief when he at last was gone might be interesting to know the things that you would do if Jesus came in person to spend some time with you. If Jesus came to your house, I'll tell you what, that Jim Davenport, I just love listening to Jim Davenport do those recitations, and he does that better than anybody that I know of. So I hope you enjoyed that, and don't forget, you can order this CD, Red Letters is the title, and the phone number is 281-636-5100 or log on to jandaministries.com. That's their website. Or just go visit Eureka Springs and go to the Church of the Grove. That's where they're located. How about another song off of this Red Letters CD? This is a, oh man, I tell you, this is a great song written by James Payne. And this is Ann Davenport to sing it for you. It's called Grandma's Porch Swing. <laughs> I just love that. Man, I can remember going to Grandma's house when I was a young kid. I loved Grandma's Porch Swing. It was just a simple house down on Cedar Hill Road. I'd wake up to smell homemade biscuits on the stove Hear Grandma singing, I'll fly away I'd give everything I own just for one more day Sitting with Grandma, sipping her sweet tea She taught me of God in that old porch swing 
only child to reap just what you sow. That was the gospel. My grandma told me so. I could hear my grandpa pray for me by bedside every night. Devil in the name of Jesus, get your hands off of her life. When it came to family, hell knew just where she stood. If I could have just one more day. Heaven knows I would. Sitting with Grandma, sipping her sweet tea, she taught me the Word of God in that old porch swing. You gotta love everybody, child. You reap just what you sow. That was the gospel. My grandma told me so. Now grandma's gone to heaven to help the angels sing. When I see her mansion, bet there's an old porch swing where we can swing together throughout eternity. Just like we used to do in my childhood memories. Sitting with Grandma, sipping her sweet tea, she taught me the Word of God in that old porch swing. You gotta love everybody, child. You reap just what you sow. Everybody, child, you reap just what you sow. That was the gospel, according to my grandma. All right, uh, I know you enjoyed that. And how about another song by Jim Davenport? And this is that ragged old flag. Oh, I love the way Jim does this. I walked through a county courthouse square On a park bench an old man was sitting there I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down He said, no, nah, it'll do for our little town I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit And that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it He said, have a seat, and I sat down is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night Francis got keys at watching it and writing, oh say can you see? It got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at the seams. It almost fell at the Alamo beside the Texas flag, but she waved on through. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorville and she got cut again at Shallow Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard and Bragg and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea and Vietnam. She went where she was sent by Uncle Sam. 
pushed you away from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they're about to quit taking her back here at home. In her own good land, where she's been abused, she's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Cause she's been through the fire before, and I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we'll raise her up every morning, we take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground, son, and we fold her up just right. On second thought, I do like to brag, cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to. One day a preacher friend of mine Was driving down near the county line Near the tavern he got an awful shock A well-known car in the parking lot The preacher parked his car, went right in He sat down at the bar next to a friend While fighting back a bitter tear preacher said, son, why are you here? Please come on home to those who care. There is no shame. The cross won't bear. Just as you are, son, come on home. Your family is waiting. For you Son, faith In Jesus Will set You free There's no shame The cross Won't bear The next Sunday morning My preacher friend preached his heart Painting a picture of sin When he finally gave an altar call The people were kneeling wall to wall The prodigal son confessed his sins At that blessed altar of prayer The family's one now Praising God All the preacher could do was cry and nod Friend, have you met God at the altar of prayer? There is no shame. The cross won't bear. Just as you are sinner friend, your blessed Savior waits for you. Your sin he will set you free there's no shame the cross won't bear friend have you met Jesus at the altar of prayer there is no shame that the cross won't bear Just as 
Appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab. And you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web. You can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page. So check it out. And if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then give us a call and let us know. Those 18 wheels are rolling down that old lonesome road, and I shared the good news wherever I go. Yes, there's been a change. I'm not the man I used to be And I tell everybody What's happened to me How I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past But I called his name This chance could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. 